0: and faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. For this cause I left thee in Crete, that thou shouldst set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given the filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, and that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convince the gainsayers. Now, we, we looked at this Sunday night, and, and the thought we're looking at is a godly young man, Titus, a godly young man. And we know that Paul wrote the book of 1 Timothy and the book of 2 Timothy and Titus, all three, uh, to young preachers or to young pastors. They are called the pastoral epistles. Uh, but don't allow that term to make you think there's nothing in these chapters for you. There is great truth for all of us tonight in these chapters. Paul wrote this to be a blessing. In fact, he told Titus in chapter 2, verse 15, these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Paul was being a blessing uh, to this young preacher. He was being encouragement to this young man. And I'm thankful for all the men that God has put in my life that has been an encouragement, been a blessing, been a a source of encouragement. Sometimes they have rebuked me. Many times they have rebuked me and, and encouraged me in the things of the Lord. And that's what Paul is doing for Titus in our text we looked Sunday night at the profile of the servant in verse number 4 we talked about Titus how that he was a saved man in 2 Corinthians 7 he was a spirit filled man we talked about where God centered us in about how Titus was full of joy how he brought comfort to the apostle Paul and how we ought to want to bring comfort and bring joy as being a fruit of the spirit to others we also talked about in Galatians chapter 2 how he was a young man how when he went up to Jerusalem they tried to the Judaizers tried to get him to be circumcised Oh, uh, they said yeah you need Jesus but you also need to keep the law but Titus was a biblical student and he understood enough that salvation is by grace through faith and not of yourselves it is the gift of God aren't you glad salvation ain't of works tonight I'd never know if I'd done enough works I would never know if I'd done enough good deeds but I'm so glad that I have trusted in the work of Calvary. I have trusted in the work of Jesus Christ for my eternal soul. And I'm saved tonight, not because of anything that I've done, but because of what Jesus has done for me. If you believe that, say, Amen. He was settled in that don't let somebody throw you off on doctrine this the book of Titus, the theme of it is godliness, but the secondary theme is sound doctrine, sound doctrine. What is doctrine? It is truth that is relayed from God himself. How do we know truth? We know truth. Through the Word of God, we'll say more about that in the coming services. Uh, but then Titus was sincere. In 2 Corinthians, chapter number eight, we know uh, that that Corinthian church gave that large offering to Titus to transport back to the Apostle Paul for the work of the ministry. And so we see a young man here was able to be trusted with a lot of money. He was able to be trusted with a substantial amount of finances. He was trustworthy. But tonight we move on to verse number 5. Not only the profile of the servant, that's as far as we got Sunday night. But tonight we want to also emphasize the place where he stayed. Notice verse number 5. For this cause, I left thee in Crete. Now one writer said this is the first indication that Paul and Titus had spent time on this island of Crete together. It was during that time they had evangelized and founded churches there. But for some reason or another, Paul had to leave and go elsewhere and serve. So he left Titus there in Crete to serve there. Now, that may not seem like a big deal to you, but Titus is a young man. Titus is just getting started. And to add pressure on top of that, he is now in charge of multiple infant churches. These are not established churches that he's taken over. When I became the pastor here in 2013, I was 21 years old. Uh, so, but this was an established church. The church was about uh, 8 years old at the time when I became the pastor. So it was established. The foundation was laid. But I can't imagine being 21 years old and coming in and starting from scratch. I mean, that that is a lot of pressure. That is a lot of uh, stress. There is a lot of responsibility on a young man. But but, uh, obviously, Paul trusted Titus. He trusted his capability, not in himself, but his reliance on the Holy Spirit of God. Now, Titus did not remain at Crete. We know in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, that Titus went on to serve at Dalmatia. That may be a positive thing or a negative thing. We don't know. It's in a negative verse when it talks about demons have forsaken Paul. I don't think Titus have forsook Paul. I just think Titus went on to serve uh, in other places. But I wouldn't split hairs with anybody over that. But Crete, where he is serving our text, was a very wicked place. Now, we're talking about Titus being a godly young man. Now, the, the, the verses tonight give us a little indication of how bad Crete was. Look down to verse number 12 of chapter number 1 tonight. chapter Titus chapter 1 verse 12. We'll get a little insight on what it was like in Crete. The Bible said one of themselves, even a prophet of their own, talking about the Cretans, said the Cretans are always, here's the first thing, liars. So here's the first thing about Crete that you got to know. It was full of false people. They were always liars. Here is the group of people that the young preacher Titus is having to deal with. He's having to deal with a bunch of liars. In fact, we'll look at it later on. But later on in this text, they profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him. They are deceivers. They are, denied. They are false. They are putting on a show. The biblical word is they are hypocrites. They're putting on one thing on the outside, but another thing on the inside. They're false, but look on to the verse. The Christians are always liars, they're false. Evil beasts, they're fierce. If you look up that word, evil beast, it means a wild animal. I'm reminded of what Paul told that church at Ephesus in Acts chapter 20, verse 28. He said, for I know after my departure, grievous wolves shall sneak in, not sparing the flock. I'm telling you, wolves will get in a church in a heartbeat. I don't want to preach on that too much tonight because I've got a sermon uh, coming up in these verses that I want to look at later. Uh, but evil beasts. But then notice, for, notice in verse 12, there are also liars, evil beasts, and slow bellies. Now, we've, we've pretty much figured out the liars and the evil beasts, but what's a slow belly? It's someone who is fleshly. Only concerned about feeding the flesh, and not necessarily physically, but the the, the spiritual application is one who lives to satisfy the flesh. Paul talks about these people in Romans chapter 16, verse 17 and 18. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them, which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine that you have learned, and avoid them. For they that serve such are not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly... In other words, he said, these people that you've got to separate from, they're not serving the Lord. They're serving their flesh. Now, they might be using the name of God to do it, but they're serving their flesh. So I said, Preacher, what are you talking about? I am not about all them people on TBN and all those people on the uh, INSP, Inspiration Network, uh, you know, ain't nothing pretty much but the PTL, Raised from the Dead. All those people that, that say you need to sow a seed in our ministry. What are they doing? They're using the name of Jesus Christ. But they're doing it to satisfy their flesh and to pad their pockets. By the way, we got them in the independent world too. Uh, they're all around this pad. I'm talking about. I'm not talking about thousands of dollars. I'm talking about millions of dollars. And what are they doing? They're just feeding the flesh, satisfying the flesh. I believe we'll, we'll look at these verses. And this church takes good care of me, and I'm grateful for that. But a man of God is not to serve for filthy lucre's sake. I got to get off that because it's later on in my text. There is the profile of the servant, the place that he served. or where I want to spend my time tonight, and and I'm not picking on it, but I'm glad glad they're here tonight because we're fixing to do what Titus has commanded to do in verse number 5. Notice the purpose that he served. Look at verse 5 again. For this cause I left thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. Titus is given two jobs in verse 5. Now, I said it Sunday night, and everybody laughed, but here's his first job. Number one, he's got to set some things in order. He has has a, a command concerning order. In other words, I said it Sunday night, it'd be like me looking at Daxton and saying, All right, Brother Eric and Brother Richie's having a problem. Go and arbitrate. Go and get it settled. You go and settle it. We wouldn't send a young man to do that. That's what Paul did. We wouldn't. I'm not picking on, but we wouldn't send Caden to do that. He's a young man, especially in the day and age we're living in. We wouldn't do that. But in this day, things were diff- different. Titus, Titus was a was a mature young man, and and and, and so that's why well, he preached this to serve an example to us all that we need to have the maturity of Titus. Yeah. That we here's what Jesus said: "Blessed are the peacemakers." Yeah. He 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 trusted him to be able to go and. Set things in order. This phrase is a medical term describing setting a bone in place. It means something was broken, something was out of place. And he said, Titus, I need you to go settle that at the church. they got problems. I'm telling tell you, there are problems in every church. You know, we've had problems at this church, but I guarantee you every other church in this county has problems. The church down the road that had the blessing of the animals last month. Oh, yes, they had the blessing of the animals. What in God's name is that? <laughs> but if any animal needs it, uh, our dumb dog needs it, all right? Uh, they said, I was, don't, how'd I get on that? I was watching a live stream of that church because, well, I ain't going to tell you why I was watching it, but, and they said, now on the 19th, we're going to have the blessing of the animals. What, the blessing of the animals, whatever. Uh but uh, Titus in this text, he is settling problems. He's settling issues. He's going in there to fix issues. But oh, here's oh yeah, that's what I was saying. Every church's got problems. They got issues. Somebody said, "Well, I, I, I've had people even say it here. A preacher, some issues going on here. We're going to go find somewhere else where there ain't problems." Good luck. Uh, In Atlanta, Georgia, near the old Atlanta Braves Stadium, there is a church that is called the Perfect Church. That is the name of the church. It has barbed wire around the church. You know why? To keep all the imperfect people out. It is called the Perfect Church. My daddy used to always say, if you ever find the Perfect Church, don't join it because you'll mess it up. There is no Perfect Church. You know why? Because churches are made up of people who have a flesh... And who have issues. And sometimes things happen, and that's where an authority has to come in and set things in order. That was Timothy's job. But then his second job was not only order, but ordaining. He said, "...and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee." Let's talk about this for a minute. We're fixing to do this next month. The word ordain means to appoint someone to a position of authority. Titus was not doing this in his own power. This verse said, as I, speaking of Paul, had appointed thee. So obviously Titus had been ordained by Paul. And he now has the authority to go and ordain elders in every city. Now what is an elder? Well, I didn't say elderly. Somebody said Eric. No, I didn't say elderly. I said an elder, All right. Well, first Timothy chapter 5, verse 17 says, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who that especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. There's two different people there. An elder is either a deacon or a preacher. They're both in that verse. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. Now watch this. Especially they that labor in the word of doctrine. That's the preachers. Uh, the pastor, uh, Acts chapter 6, but we will give ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word in the context of those deacons being set in place in the early church. So that's what an elder is. We ordain deacons and and pastors, preachers, here at our church. Now comparing 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, we know that elders can be a preacher or a deacon. Paul did not leave it up to Timothy or Titus on what the qualifications would be. He just told them, here's what they are. Paul didn't come up with these qualifications. The Holy Ghost inspired Paul to write these. Now, we we could look at 1 Timothy 3, and those are all good. These do not contradict one another, but we are primarily in Titus chapter 1 tonight. So we're going to stick with Titus chapter 1. But they are both saying the same things, but both of them may word it a little different. But you look up all the definitions of the same things. And I want us to go through these things tonight. I want us to look at them quickly and look at what are the qualifications for a preacher. Now let me say this. These qualifications, people will say, well, I believe those are the qualifications for a pastor. I've heard that. I know good men that have preached in my pulpit before that believe that. I ain't going to fight them over that. Here's what I've here's what I've asked him respectfully. Then please show me where the qualification is just for a preacher and not a pastor. If it's not 1st Timothy 3 and Titus 1, then where is it at? I believe the qualifications in 1st Timothy 3 and Titus 1 are the qualifications for a pastor, a missionary, an evangelist, or a lay preacher in the church. And it is also the qualification for a deacon because he said likewise in 1 Timothy chapter number 3 and verse number 8. Likewise means all these things I've just mentioned plus X, Y, Z. So he said the deacon's wives are not be given to wine uh, at all. Uh, apparently the preacher's wife can. I'm not sure. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, amen. So, no, no. Uh, so, of course, being married to preachers, they deserve a stiff drink every once in a while. All right. Some of y'all need to smile. So, what are these qualifications? Well, let's look. Let's look at this. Te- in First Timothy three, the first one is if a man desire an office of a bishop, you got to desire. We've got that out of the way. All right. Look at verse number six. Y'all ready? If any be, read this with me, blameless. All right. What does the word blameless mean? Does it mean he's perfect? Well, no. None of us would get in on that one. 'Cause nobody's perfect. What the word blameless, and I've dealt with this before, but I want us to I want us to to hammer this in. It means that cannot be called into account. In other words, that man has good character and integrity. Are those not two words that are missing in this generation? I mean, come on. You hear about preachers stealing money, running off with women heard about an evangelist today that uh, that I don't know him personally but I read an article today an independent Baptist evangelist was arrested him and his wife was arrested in Tennessee he's 32 years old for sexually molesting his daughters that man is not blameless that man is a pervert he is a he is a pedophile is what he is But yet there are preachers that would sweep that under the rug and say, well, God forgives all sin. Oh, you better believe He forgives all sin. But this man is no longer blameless. He's no longer blameless. Uh, and, And i got friends that I love. They'll say, these are suggestions. Well, the only problem with that is he says, must be. Does that sound negotiable? Does that sound like a suggestion? It it is, and I'm I'm talking about men that are better Bible students than I am, but apparently they don't get those two words. He must be, all right? He must be blameless. Here's the second one. The husband of one wife. Now, I don't know why so many people have such a hard time with that. There's much controversy over this little phrase. I hope I'm not boring you to tears tonight, but I I hope we explain a little bit of this. First of all, Paul is not talking about polygamy in this verse. Here's how we know that. Polygamy wouldn't have been allowed in the church in those days. It's not allowed in the church now unless you're a Mormon. Amen. And even the even the mainstream Mormons don't put up with it now. you, you got to go off some ca- campus somewhere to, to have 27 wives. I mean, ain't awful. 27 anniversaries, 27 birthdays you got to keep up with. 27 set of in-laws. I mean, my goodness, that's a... Expensive Christmas. Maybe that's why they don't celebrate Christmas, all right? I don't know. But they say they say, well, and then I heard men say, Well, that means one at a time. Yeah, that's incredibly stupid. <laughs> all right, let, let's use their logic for a minute. Let's just all be stupid for a minute and use their logic. Can't we do that? I have no trouble using being that way, all right? Let's go to First Timothy chapter number three. First Timothy chapter number three. Let's say say that word means one at a time. 1 Timothy chapter 3, just a few pages back. It shouldn't take you that long to find it, all right? 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 1. A bishop then must be blameless, okay? The husband of one wife. Do y'all see that little word one? Can anybody tell me what the word one means? It means one, all right? Does it say one at a time? All right? Well, let's use their logic that it means one at a time. Look back one chapter to 1 Timothy chapter two, verse number five. For there is one God, and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Does that mean there's one God at a time and one mediator between God and man at a time? I'm just asking. It's the same word, one. Ain't amazing how people will say, "Don't uh, the King James Bible's the Word of God? Don't change one word." But when they need to change a word, yep. oh, yeah. they'll change it. Amen. That's why I tell people I'm more King James than a because I literally believe every word. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. I mean, literally, I don't change it. I just believe what it says. Yeah. It's not that hard, guys. Right. Amen. So, he must be... And then somebody said, well, you know, I just don't know about that one. Okay. Well, he says in this verse... For a bishop, verse number 7 of Titus 1, for a bishop must be blameless and steward of God. So a bishop must be the husband of one wife, right? Go to First Peter chapter number 2. A bishop means an overseer. From now on, I would like for you all to call me bishop. I'm just kidding, alright? <laughs> bishop, alright? Hey, amen. I feel like I need a get a robe if I'm going to be bishop, hey, amen? First Peter chapter 2. I'm going to further make this point. You like that camera, don't you, man? First Peter chapter 2, look at verse number 25. For ye were as sheep going astray, but now return unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Who's that verse talking about? Talking about Jesus Christ. So Jesus called a bishop. How many brides does Jesus have? He has one bride, the church. So if the Lord Jesus is a bishop, he has one bride, then every other preacher, bishop, pastor, he ought to have one bride. Now, till death do they part. If that wife dies, he's free to remarry, but not because he found someone that he thought was prettier, or not because he found out X, Y, Z and went and found him another one. No, he a, a man that has been divorced can do everything in their church except be a preacher and be a deacon. There's 500 other things he can do, but the reason they want to keep preaching and be a deacon is because they have an authority issue and they won't submit to authority. It's the truth. It's the Bible. Let's look on. We got to hurry. Alright, so he must be blameless. He must uh, look on to verse number 6. The husband of one wife. Watch this next phrase. Having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. Now what does that mean? Well, that little phrase faithful children means believing children. That does not mean that if my children are not saved, that I'm disqualified to be a preacher. Here's what that does mean. That does mean that I need to be leading them to Jesus. My children are not saved yet. But it is my job to lead my home so that they will want to know Jesus. Here's my point. I can't make nobody get saved and I can't make my own children get saved. But I better be leading them. Watch this. Not accused of riot or unruly. Meaning he's got his home in order. That's why a double married man can't preach. His home is not in order. Some preachers need to focus on being daddy and quit worrying about being a preacher. That's rough, and that's tough, but it's right. The home's not in order. I'm not being mean. I didn't write it. I just read it. For a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God. Here's the next one, verse 7. Not self-willed. Well, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm the pastor. I'm going to do what I want to do. I've said that dumb statement before. But then I read Titus 1, 7, and that's wrong. I ought to do what the Lord wants. Oh, by the way, you should too. Not self-willed. Here's the next one. Not soon angry. Amen. I'm going I'm on, to I'm on tie all this back to us in a minute. By the way, all these things are good for you too. Not soon angry. Wherefore, my brethren, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Be ye angry and sin not. But I tell you, there are some preachers, they have a fuse about that long. And it don't take much to push them off the edge. And there is mean and full of anger and wrath. And they would preach against a double married preacher being disqualified. And I would too. But they're not going to deal with their anger. They're they're not going to deal with being self-willed. By the way, being blameless and the husband and one wife are the only two sins in this that you can't repent of and get right. Here's what I mean. You can get right with the Lord, but you can't go back and change it. If a man has an issue with anger, he can get that right with God and move on. But if a man's uh, been divorced... Or if a man has a mark on him being blameless, somebody said, Well, he just committed adultery, but he kept his family. He's not blameless. He's not blameless. I've had men call me, want me to come preach meetings for them. That in their past committed adultery. I don't hate them. I'm not against them, but I'm not going to preach for them, and I'm not preaching with them. Why? Because they're not blameless. Somebody said, Well, you're just putting preachers out of the ministry. Paul's putting them out of the ministry. And more than that, the Holy Spirit is, because He wrote it. Not soon angry. Not given to wine. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is a rage. Whosoever deceived thereby is not wise. But there are preachers that drink alcohol. They'll call it cough syrup. We all know what that is. How many of y'all know what rock and rye is? How many of y'all got some under your sink right now? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Wait will I get enough. I didn't say you wish you did, I said, you know. Not given the wine, alcohol is a sin. Every, show. I'll tell you what. Both Sammy Allen was—he didn't even take Nyquil. Now I'm not that sanctified. <laughs> I never forget. Me and me and Grace had just got married, and uh, it was wintertime. We both got sick. We both took Nyquil. We went to bed at ten o'clock one night and woke up at four o'clock the next day. So if we ever turned drunks, we'd be the one after two drinks, we're laying on the bar asleep. We wouldn't be no fun to hang out with. We'd just be like Otis, sleeping it off. Not given to wine. But there's a preacher that I told you a few weeks ago made eight reasons on the internet on why it's okay to drink wine. That man is not a gospel preacher. And he can say he's an expository preacher all he wants to, but he's not. His name's Steve Lawson. Watch the next one. Uh, No striker. No striker. So I guess that knocks off that evangelist. he's standing in the corner doing this while he's getting ready to preach. Phil kid, I mean. No striker. Now somebody said that meant not to strike out means not to miss when you swing. There could be a little, you know, I don't unfortunately not. Now it didn't say I couldn't shoot anybody, okay? this just said I can't hit nobody. I'm, I say that tongue in jail. No, it means he's not contentious. I'm looking for a fight. Now, we're to contend for the faith. Amen? We're to stand for right. But, but this is talking about he's fighting for himself. He's defending himself. He's, he's making it all about him. Don't you hate those news reporters? I, I don't like any of them. <laughs> but they make the news about themselves and the story's all about them. If you're going to watch the news, you don't want to hear about them. You want to hear what's going on. They're going to lie to you anyway. Don't you hate preachers? They're the heroes of all their stories. I mean, the story's terrible till they showed up. And they're the greatest Christians since John the Baptist. That's, that's self-will. That's a striker. Watch this. Not given the filthy lucre. You know, the Bible, we all know that verse, for the love of money is the what? Root of all evil. You know where that verse is found? It's found in a pastoral epistle. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. It, it means he's not doing it for the money. Now, we know, we know our church right here. We believe in taking care of God's men. This church takes care of me over and above what a lot of the churches that I preach into. and do. And I'm very grateful for that. I don't take that lightly. You provide for me. You provide me a vehicle. I mean, you remember, our, I, I'm grateful for that. But if y'all didn't do any of that for me, I am still commanded to preach the Word of God because I'm not to do it for filthy lucre's sake. Now, he does give that command in First Timothy 5, that those that labor in the word and doctrine are worthy of double honor. So he gives that command to the church, but he gives that command to that preacher. He said, but they don't honor you? Because there's some churches that don't. He said, you still preach. You still do what's right. Uh, verse number 8, I'm almost done. But a lover of hospitality. It means he's generous to guests. I'm glad uh, the men I preach for this year have all been kind, but I, so none of them this year. But I preached for some guys before. Where you wondered why'd you invite me? You've not been kind to me. You've not, you know, you've not asked me. Uh, we ask. We asked preachers around here. Is there anything you can't have or can't have as far as a meal? You may have an allergy. You may have an issue. Do you prefer a hotel? Or do you prefer a, prefer one of the houses at Landis, or do you prefer eating before service or after service? Brother Joe Arthur asked Billy Kelly that one time. I said, "Brother Billy, do you want to eat before the service or after the service?" He said, "Both." Amen. <laughs> That sounds like Kurt LeBeau, don't it, all right? But but being generous, being hospitable I'm glad this church has the spirit of hospitality. People come here, preachers come here, and they enjoy being here. It's not just because we take care of them financially. But they have financial needs, let's be real. But those baskets that you are making for preachers, you don't know what that means when you go into a meeting somewhere... And it's not just—it's not the pastor that did it. Even though I appreciate it, but when it's church members that took money out of their pocket to provide for you and do something for you, that means a lot. So then, uh, a lover of good men. Now, what does that mean? It means that he has the right influences and the right people investing in his life. I'm very careful about who I allow to influence me. You, you, you—people know who the men are that influence me. You don't, have to, you don't have to go along without hearing me talk about Davy Shelton. Eddie Davis. Daryl Hayes. Okay? I mean, the list goes on and on and on of men that have invested in me. And you know what? Those men, I bring them here because they put something in me. I want them to share with you. Brother Reese. Me and Brother Reese talk every day. I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> but he's put a lot... Being a lover of good men, having the right influences. And I'm going to preach all this to you at your ordination, but... It even goes to the books we read or the preachers we listen to. Then, uh, he needs to be sober. I don't think this sober here is talking about alcoholic beverages, even though that could could mean But he's already dealt with that. I think he's talking about what we preached a few weeks about sobriety. He has an awareness. He has discernment. He has discretion. Then watch on. He's just... These last three go together. He's just, holy, and temperate. He does things right. He lives right. And he has self-control. Brother, Brother Andy Wells will say they even include self-control with the fork. Oh, me. He said if you'd be given appetite, put a knife to your throat. In the book of Proverbs. Amen. And you know, you know, we can't preach if our bodies are not fit. And it's been four months since I've had my last Coke. My name is Josh Montgomery. Hi, Josh. You know, I feel like I'm at a, feel like I'm at a, a, a you know, a, what is it, an addictions program. And I've lost 14 pounds. My wife says I don't look as fat as I used to. Oh, yes. Amen. Making progress. Call Jenny Craig. Oh, yes. But here's my point. He has self-control. You know, there's some preachers they can't control their flesh. That's a disqualification. Then watch verse number 9. I've missed this one for years. Holding fast to the faithful word Now watch this now. And Brother Richie, you watch this. As he hath been taught. Here's what that means. It means when we give you that Bible, that night of your ordination, you're to to take it and use it as we gave it to you. He said, holding fast, and I'm going to preach on this more, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught. In other words, that man's been taught right. And he needs to keep it right. Second uh, Timothy chapter two. Let me read you this verse. We're going to go home. Second Timothy chapter two, verse two, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Here's what Paul's telling Timothy: teach the same thing. Don't change it. Don't change it. Did you know? And I missed that for years till today. That is a qualification for a preacher: not to change. So that tells me, Brother Charles, that men who have changed, I'm not talking about growing in the Lord, where we've all preached things that were dumb. I've preached more of them than anybody has, okay? Thank you for nobody saying amen. That was so kind. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about he don't change what Bible he uses. Amen. Amen. I'll say this tonight, the night of his ordination, but I'll say it tonight if he ever uses anything of like the King James Bible, we will discontinue his support and pull his ordination papers. Why? Because we didn't give him an NIV, we didn't entrust the ESV. We gave him a King James Bible. And he is to hold fast to the faithful word as he hath been taught. Now, somebody said, Well, preacher, that's all good stuff about ordaining people. What's that got to do with us? 1 Peter chapter 5, and I'm done. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage. Here's why. Here's how this affects you. But being in samples to the flock. All those things that a preacher is supposed to live by and qualifications is to be an example to you. Here's what I mean by that. I'm not preaching against anybody who's been through a divorce. But anybody that's been through a divorce don't want nobody else to go through one, okay? But you ought to strive to keep your home together by the grace of God. I know sometimes... I'm not talking about abusive relationships. We understand that, okay? Uh, amen. Any preacher tell a woman to stay with some a man that's beating her up needs to, needs to sue his brains for non-support, alright? so what I'm talking about. But you need to protect your home. You need to look after your children. You need to make sure that you've got a good name and testimony in the community. You need to make sure that you're not... Given to filthy lucre and just love money. he makes sure you're sober-minded. All those things that Paul laid out, he said the reason he wants the preachers to live like that is so they'll be an example to the flock. Amen. Here's And, and, and this 8 o'clock. Here is something that, that I put on me and my family. I think if you want to know how to dress right, you ought to look at my family. Somebody say, are you the standard? No, I'm not the standard, but I'm an example. I'm not to get up here and preach something to y'all that I'm not being an example and living it or trying to put it in practice in my life. Okay, I preached on humility the other week. You're never going to get pride fully beat, but you always ought to work on it. You understand what I'm saying? But I shouldn't preach on you dressing right and I'm running around dressed half naked, or my family is. That's hypocrisy. I'm going to be an example to the flock. You ought to be able to, to, be able to see. Your, if there's any Christian you ought to know, it ought to be your preacher and his family. Amen? Somebody said, you're trying to make us little Josh Montgomery's Lord? No. Can you imagine what that world would really be like? A world full of me and Daxton. Because my wife said, we are just alike. They just made two good ones, didn't they, buddy? That's right. That's <laughs> right. He's just like me. See that, Granny he ad uh, Here is my point: we ought to all want to have a good testimony and honor God in our community. May God help us. Amen. Well, I appreciate the Word of God tonight. Don't you? Thank the Lord for it. We're going to have a Word of Prayer. It's eight, it's eight o'clock. I am going to let you be dismissed. I am going to have an invitation tonight. I don't feel led to, but uh, think about these things. And as we, so I said, why is that important for a church to know? Because by the grace of God, I always want to be your pastor, but there might be a day. When I, when I die or God may move me, I hope He don't. But you need to know what kind of pastor to look for. He needs to line up with First Timothy 3 and Titus 1. Father, take these these verses tonight. What I pray, God, that You'd help us to live an example to the flock and be a, a help and a blessing to God's people. Bless our church. Bless every home represented. Bring us back on the Lord's day. We'll love You and thank You for all You do. In Jesus' name, amen.